Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes and Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The days of heading out and blindly looking for good fishing areas are pretty much over. Don't waste your time and money on fuel searching for fish. You need the most recent, highest resolution images to not only know where to go, but to know where not to go. The knowledge provided by today's technology is critical when planning an offshore fishing trip. Make the choice that professional captains all over the Gulf make and choose Hilton's real-time navigator. The easy-to-use interface and real excellent customer service will have you on fish every time you go. Check it out at hiltonsoffshore.com. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brian Sin. Hope you guys are having a great week. Hope you got to get out this past weekend and and we can enjoy a little bit of the outdoors. And uh, man, I would love to say get out there today, but uh, we're watching tornado warnings and stuff in certain areas of the state. Hopefully everybody stays safe out there in this weather. But uh, hey, our first guest, he is not worried about these storms that we got coming through or this cold weather that we got coming in because uh, he's in Kissimmee, Florida, traveled down to fish a tournament. First guest, Jake Maddox. What's going on, Jake? What's going on, Brian? How are you? Man, I'm good, buddy. I'm good. So you, uh, way I understand it, you're, you have left the state of Alabama and you're at a tournament in Kissimmee right now. Yes, sir. I'm fishing the uh, Bassmaster Open, Southern Open number one at uh, Kissimmee Chain. So uh, pretty tough day today. It seemed like the weights were pretty low all around, but there's some late boats. I think uh, last last flight is due in at 5.50 today. So I think there's going to be some big bags caught this afternoon, and I'm excited to get out there tomorrow. Heck yeah, man. That's good. Well, good luck to you on that tomorrow. How are you catching the fish today? Uh, so these fish down here have been... Uh, just hit with back-to-back cold fronts and these Florida fish do not like the cold so the water temps at the beginning of practice was about 53 and those fish do not like that and so it has really shut everything down there's a big local tournament it only took 16 pounds to win and normally this time of year you start seeing those upper 20s all the way up to mid 30 pound bags on this lake and we didn't see that at all this during practice anything like that it's been really tough but um you know, this place can go zero to a hundred and within, you know, a couple hours. And, you know, I think that's what's exactly going to happen tomorrow. Um, you know, we just got the warm weather starting to come. The nights have finally not been in the forties. They've been slowly climbing up tonight. It's going to be in the sixties tomorrow. It's going to be about 85. So I think those fish are going to pull up really, really hard. It should be a good day. It's going to have to switch up some things. I caught them in practice on offshore hydrilla, throwing a jerk bait and a trap and a chatterbait it seemed like a lot of the fish shrank today for me they were all small guys and you know 
I caught a couple of fish early and then I abandoned them, try to go find some something else and it just never happened. Scrapped my game plan, came back up to Lake Toho, I had to lock back up through and uh, ended up catching my limit in the last like 30 minutes and I figured something out. So I'm excited to get back out there tomorrow. Heck yeah, man. Sounds like you did figure it out. Well, good luck to you on that. And you know, all of us Alabama guys, we think, hey, you go down there, go down to Kissimmee and you know, and this year you're just going, it's always on, it's always good. You're always catching big fish, but those fronts that come through affect those fish just like they do ours here in Alabama, if not worse, because they're usually not as deep water lakes and, and, uh, and they're not used to getting those cold fronts. Like we're, our fish yeah. are used to that life, right? Right, right. Well, you know, bring it back home. I know you've been fishing uh, Lake Martin a good bit and some other of the Coosa chain, I'm sure. So how's it been back here at home? Been really fun on Lake Martin. Now's the time. If you want to take a kid fishing, it's the perfect time to do that. Getting a lot of bites, you know, having those 30 to 40, 50 fish days a lot of times fishing ditches and drains so rather than fishing like points and um, you know humps that's sort of like your normal offshore structure that you fish in the summertime these are the actual like guts and drains that like like deep water going into these creeks and pockets those fish are just sitting there grouped up really tight and fishing them with a drop shot or Demiki rig or even a Ned rig uh, just vertical underneath the boat so when you go out on I mean Lake Martin's a huge lake so, I mean, right. if somebody's going out there, kind of, what are they looking for, man? What, how do you start? What I like to do is I like to just pick a part of the lake and dissect it. So, you got the Kalaja arm, and you got the Blue Creek arm, and, you know, you have the, you know, middle section over by the ridge area, Chimney Rock area, and then you got Mid-Lake, which I say that's, like, anywhere from below or above the ridge up to the Hogs Pen, and then Manoa, Madwin, all that, and then you got the river. So, river system if you like the shallow water, largemouth game, water's typically going to be colder up there, but this is the time of year you can catch a big bag of largemouth, throwing a crankbait, a spinnerbait, flipping wood. And then as you kind of move further down the lake, you kind of get more on that spotted bass game. As the water kind of clears, that's when I like, when the water's clear, I like to fish for the spotted bass uh, vertically out deep. I usually like to just scan around for bait. I usually just kind of put the, you know, idle around until I find the bait, mark the bait, and then find what depth the bait's in. And once I have the idea of the bait, what depth the bait is in, then I'll put the troll motor down and kind of look around with my 2D or my forward-facing sonar and see if, you know, you see any active fish, you know, suspended or anything like that, and then present a bait to them like a Demiki rig or a drop shot or a Ned rig. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we had, you know, we had last week, I believe, on our show, we had Tucker a Smith on, and he was talking about bait balls and, and on Martin. And, and that sounds like that's mainly what he's doing. He's, you know, he's kind of spends his time riding around looking for, for bait balls and, uh, and is successful doing that, but you're kind of, yes, you, you, I mean, and I'm sure you're doing that too, but you're doing some other things as well. It sounds like. Yeah. I like for, for tournament fishing on that lake. I like to mix up the largemouth and the spotted bass stuff it seems like you can get a real quick limit fishing for spotted bass and you have to sit there and cull up a couple pounds you know you know slowly by ounces really um just because a lot of those fish are just cookie cutter you know same size the trick to getting a bigger bite is just you know having a lot of different areas and just you know just keep fishing really is 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 the key to fish as many spots as possible until you run into those little bit average bigger than average size fish it's crazy like the in a tournament how with the difference between like a pound and three quarters to a two and a quarter pound you know fish does to your weight to your bag out there 
So that's what I like to do is kind of just fish for a spotted bass. And then I also like, you know, afternoon once, you know, you get some sun on some of those banks, I really like to go throw a, you know, DT6 or, you know, a six to eight foot diving crankbait a lot this time of year as well. Um, right now it's kind of a weird deal because Lake Martin is down 10 feet, but the next couple of weeks, the water is going to start to come up. So that's going to push a lot of those fish shallow. It's going to muddy up some of the water. So the largemouth bite should be picking up really good. You know, I know there's some Philcoga Marine and AB, ABN tournaments coming up. So it should be some good events coming up soon on Lake Martin. Heck yeah, man. It sounds like it. That's awesome. It sounds like you're catching them there too. And uh, I mean, it's just from, you know, when you're making a statement about great time of the year to, to take a kid fishing. I mean, how many fish are you catching on a, on a trip right now? Anywhere from 20 to 40 or 50 usually um, when I'm fishing for spotted bass. Once you go large enough fishing, it's a little bit trickier. You're looking for, you know, those five big bites, but spotted bass, it's a lot of fun and a lot of action. My girlfriend, she doesn't even really fish, you know, we decided to fish a tournament not too long ago, and I think she caught 15 on her own, and she had never caught that many fish in her life, so it's a pretty fun time, just put a spinner on your hand and uh, just catch some spotted bass. They fight really hard, even even the little ones, you think you got something big on the other line. Heck yeah, man. Good stuff. Well, if, if somebody's coming up this weekend to fish Lake Martin, uh, or anywhere, on, you know, that, that area, the Coosa chain, what would your tip of the day be? Uh, look for bait. 90% of the fish are living in 10% of the lake right now. They're pretty grouped up. So, so look for that bait. Look for the bait. Yeah. Look for that bait and look for them grouped up. Good keep, stuff, man. Keep your head down until you find them. Once you find them, you'll be, be in good shape. Good deal. Hey, good luck down there uh, in the tournament tomorrow, man. You sound like you, you know what you're going to do and have a game plan for tomorrow. So so put some pounds in the boat, get up there on the leaderboard, and uh, and good luck, man. Hey, if somebody wants to come book a trip with you, man, I'd highly suggest they do it. You know how to catch fish down there on the on the Coosa, that's for sure, in Lake Martin area. What's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, com bassandbrosguideservice.com y'all give jake a call book a trip with him uh you're gonna learn a lot i guarantee you that you're gonna catch some fish jake man go get some more sunglasses you know lost your sunglasses you can't you can't go fish all day tomorrow without some sunglasses no not at all not at all we got this warm day coming through and it was winter down here in florida but i think all these fish are about to pull up and spawn so i need a pair just to be safe good deal man all right good luck down there we'll talk to you again soon brother all right. Sounds good. See you, Brian. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Great segment. Let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors. Fishing Chaos. Do you fish in a club? Do you manage a club? Does your club hold fishing tournaments? If the answer is yes to any of these, now's the time to reach out to Fishing Chaos. Get your club listed and managed on Fishing Chaos now for free. Contact Jesse Wilson for details at 256 508 one eight five three or go to fishingchaos.com to schedule a demo and brought to you by southeastern pond management hey guys if you're fortunate enough to own a lake or a pond then i know you want to get the most out of it as possible we all want to manage and grow big deer on our place so why not grow the biggest most healthy fish possible as well give norman a call at southeastern pond management at 205 288 
1371 or just look them up southeasternpondmanagement.com and they do an incredible job around the state of Alabama and the Georgia Tennessee so if you're thinking about building a lake if you're thinking about redoing an existing pond or lake that you have restocking fertilizing liming these guys do it all and they do it well it's what they do for a living so they're really good at it and brought to you by Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you own or run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes it easy to find the service you're looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts or even paddle boats and all things in between at boaterslist.com. They will always strive to make it better on the water. All right, guys, welcome back. Hey, great segment. Love having Jake and those young guys on here that are, uh, man, they're guiding and making a, making a living or fishing these tournaments. And there are these guys coming out of college and, and many universities are putting out some great fishermen. So y'all be sure and keep Jake in mind if you're going to book a trip on the Coosa. But, uh, man, I, I'm excited about this next segment. Because this guy catches big, big fish. I mean, the biggest, probably the biggest fish that get caught in the state, these giant striped bass up on Smith Lake. Michael Walker, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? Been a minute. It's been a minute, man. It's been a minute. Appreciate you jumping on today. And I've been looking forward yeah, to getting yeah. you back on here. Yeah, sorry about not getting on. Just been real busy and uh, a lot of time on the water, so I've uh, been pretty busy. So. Hey, we we gotta we gotta work, man. We gotta make that living, and that's how you make yours so a big big part of it. So, man, but let's. Uh, what are the fish doing up at Smith right now? You catching some big stripes? Yeah, um, we're kind of kind of at an in between. We got some fish uh, in a, in, a, in just a true winter pattern now, a little deeper, but we still have some of our biggest fish already in the shallows so uh kind of got pretty much every tactic that we want to that we could do open in the playbook success rate on big fish is probably at a 70 percent right now compared to where we're probably you know our peak time is is probably about another couple weeks away the last couple cold fronts have kind of uh pushed them out just a little so we've kind of backed up just to catching fish right now so when you say 70 percent to catch a big fish what is a big fish i mean what what are we talking about uh, i mean when we're trying to target the 30 40 pounders in the lake typically february is a roll month with our weather kind of going back and forth and what the water temperature leading up into it and you know if we wouldn't have got this last cold snap and stayed up in the 60s for another week or two some of those the last half of the deeper fish would have really pushed more towards the creek and got a lot of more fish in the shallows where when we get the cooler weather and our water dips below 50 we're gonna have more fish drop out kind of the deeper water yeah, but so you're kind of backed up now to a fish, fish, you know, like you said, we had a lot of cold weather. You got more coming tomorrow or tonight. I was fixing to drop back down. And so those fish, 
right now you're kind of going out and you're still catching a lot of fish, but it may not be the chances are, are 70%, which are still damn good to catch a big fish, but you're still catching yeah, a mean, lot of numbers. Yeah, we are. I mean, like for the trips that are coming this weekend, you know, I've already gone, gone ahead and called our trips on Friday and Saturday and let them know, you know, Hey, we got a front coming in, especially Saturday. We're going to be on the backside of that front. Uh, we got pretty strong North wind we're going to have, uh, we planned on fishing in the morning, but we're going to fish the afternoon due to kind of the setup with the yeah. weather. On that trip, we're not going out to catch big fish. I, I know the bite's going to be really tight in the morning, uh, so we're going to fish the afternoon. We're going to downsize our bait just to get bites. I think we'd have real trouble getting those big fish to commit to a bigger bait. Uh, on the backside of a front like that. So it's kind of where, you know, we want to catch big fish, but Saturday is going to be, we want to catch fish. So, you know, sometimes the weather will dictate, you know, our chances are, you know, if, if you're going home and you want to just set out on your, on the day, we can pull big baits, but Saturday is not the day to do it. Right. <laughs> so we'll, we've already let the clients know and made sure that you know, they understand that we're, we're, we're going to catch fish on Saturday and if that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll see you Saturday. If not, we can, we can wait and they're ready to go. So. Well, so this time of year, the fish are in deep water. So when you're talking deep water in Smith Lake, I mean, you're, you're talking really deep water, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, like for deep water right now, our fish are like where I'm going to be fishing over the next couple of days. Uh, anywhere between a hundred foot depth water to maybe <laughs> 70 to 60 i'll venture into some 50 foot 40 foot water but there's more fish that'll back out to that 70 to 100 foot where you kind of got some treetops at 40 now the fish might necessarily might not drop much deeper than they were you know if they were at 25 feet they might only go down to, to 30 or you might find some fish on the bottom at 45 but if they kind of drop to that deeper water they're not going to drop any deeper right. they're not going to just go 70 they'll still be in that same depth range they would have been if they were sitting in 45 foot water whether they were holding 25 to the bottom so you just kind of adjust your tactics and and kind of over time learning stripes patterns realize that sometimes whether it's the time of year it's water temp and weather patterns play a big factor on where the fish will relate to well let's let's talk about your setup for a minute fishing 60 70 80 100 foot that that's a new deal for most people most people never experience that unless they come do a trip with you up there then they you know may never experience it but when you're fishing that deep i mean what's your setup look like i mean you got to have a pretty dang big you got to have some lead on there i imagine well i mean like Okay, so if if let's just say for for right now coming into this pattern where we're going to be fishing over some deeper water, but yet still have some fish higher in the column, still feeding at twenty feet or twenty feet or deeper, we're going to start off with four down rods, which are going to consist of four poles with anywhere between two to three ounce lead weight above a swivel and a five foot leader down to you know depending on your bait size, whatever size hook. Um, those are going to be basically position you know each corner of the boat uh, and you're going to have four down lines to put those baits exactly the depth you're marking fish two ounce weights are really plenty weight for most days a three ounce weight is something you're going to want to put on on your high wind days so your bait's not trailing behind the boat it stays more pegged there's not really a need to do uh four unless you're 
pulling extremely fast which for straight bass about a 1.1 it's probably as fast as you're going to be using your trolling motor pulling live bait so you not not much need for uh, over three ounces and then after that this time of year we're using planer boards which help uh, basically pull your boat out to the left or the right of the boat i can connect those with weights on i can do non-weighted i can do split shot i can kind of separate them from the boat and cover you know 60 80 feet 120 feet how many boards do i want to put out how many baits do i want them pegged and do i want them all riding at a certain depth or do i want to allow them to swim from 40 feet to the surface depending on the bite depending on the weather depending on where you're seeing fish at you kind of move that around but typically anywhere between 10 to 14 rods out uh when we're fishing so a lot of different options and then as we kind of get into march we'll kind of fine-tune that down to more like 10 poles out because all 10 poles are going to kind of be fishing the same way we're just going to be covering a lot of water so you're seeing the fish on your electronics you're marking your fish you're not just getting straight oh let's say the fish are in 70 foot of water 60 foot of water you see the fish on your electronics you're not just getting over the top of them and dropping straight down we, we do at times i mean if if you know when you go over fish on your graph you can tell fish are moving or fish sitting if our fish are sitting above treetops or sitting in trees then we're fishing vertically if we can't get them to bite we're going to start moving around just whether it's a figure eight anything to kind of put a different movement on our presentation on trying to get some kind of uh, reaction from the fish right um, so well are you usually always using live bait uh, i mean we do artificial um anything from vertical jigging power reeling um different times of year like right now the smallest spoons and smaller baits i mean really uh, a jig head with a two inch crappie grub <laughs> as weird as that sounds wow yeah you know, the water is cold you know if you were to go out night fishing right now and go from light to light the bait you see around the light that the fish are feeding on is one inch two inch bait max so the fish are typically more inclined to go for small bait easy process less uh hassle to catch so showing them something they'll eat and that relates to what they're feeding on is probably more important than uh the size of right. you know having the thickest bait all now time. later on in the year that changes though you'll you'll go to some big baits right? oh yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, like we're we're a couple degrees away where we will only be pulling bigger bait. Uh, but anytime that water temp dro- drops below fifty for us, uh, we feel that those big baits, while they, you you'll get a hit here and there, most of the fish will they won't give you the effort it takes to to get it. They don't want to put the effort for it. Right. It's not that the outrunning them, the bait's lethargic too. But they're just so lethargic once that uh. Uh, temperature gets down that their brain just seems like it's not if they're starving yes they're going to grab it but if they're not starving they're going to pick another uh, option on the table well so let's let's fast forward a couple weeks and i mean you know i mean the water these will start getting a little bit more warm weather fish will start moving up getting a little shallower and i know that's uh that's an exciting time of the year for you guys because like you said then you start really being able to hone on with those bigger fish and i mean do is that a is that a topwater bite or yeah or, i mean well, well especially you know being a guide we you have clients that fish sometimes fish all the time and fish none of the time right. so we have a lot of artificials uh that are really good options during that time 
if we have clients that are, you know, wanting to actively fish, a lot of the fishing that we do with live bait, similar to kind of a saltwater trip is, you know, you're really not doing much until the fish bites the bait and hooks up. But for people that are uh, wanting to fish, we have topwater baits, we have red fins that are subsurface, bucktails, and all those lures we're going to kind of use in March are either right at the surface or right under the surface. So, you know, whether you're getting to see the fish wait behind the bait or just blow up and knock it out, yeah, it, it doesn't get much better than artificial <laughs> artificials and big fish. So. Man, I, that, just thinking about that, yeah, I mean, because when we get late February, March, I mean, when you you made the comment a while ago, 70% chance of catching a really a, a good fish right now, but that increases. I mean, what, what does that go to in late February, March? Well, I mean, our size, just being able to determine that we're fishing big bait increases your odds. I mean, like right now, again, this weekend, we're going to go out with a little mixed bait, knowing that the smaller bait's going to probably pay better. We're not going to catch as big a fish on the average on this trip because we are opening the door. Even though we know big fish eat small bait this time of year, if we only show big bait a couple weeks from now, our average and our percentage of bigger fish jump. If we show open the door with smaller bait, then some of the bite, some of the fish, some of the time is taken up by fish that we're really not trying to target. So as we get a little warmer, not to say that we can't catch more fish on a trip, but we go out for big fish. So if you do come with us, you're not going out to catch numbers in the spring. We're going out to catch the biggest fish, which means you're going to catch less fish, but we're going to catch bigger fish. Bait size helps purely determine what we're going to catch. But I would think that most of your guys, I mean, look, I mean, we all like to go out and catch a lot of fish, right? And, I, and I'm sure like the guys are going tomorrow afternoon with your Saturday afternoon, they're going to have a heck of a good time catching the size, whatever size they catch and just putting some numbers in the boat. But just the thought of being able to go out there on top water or just under the surface and catch a 40 pound stripe, a 35, 40 pound fish. That's crazy. That's crazy exciting. One of my best clients is probably about 35 years old from California. He comes out and fishes roughly three to four days at a time, a couple times a year through March and the first part of April. And they have stripe out in California, but what he's been able to do out here and being he throws artificial, brings a lot of big California style swim bait. Just seeing him being able to hook up with some of the fish and honestly learning some tactics with swim baits from a guy that fishes nothing but swim baits sure helped me out over the years. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't get any better and that's why he gets on the plane and comes down. I mean, we give up catching the numbers to catch the big one. It's what we what I specialize in and what I right. like to do. that would be awesome man that would be an awesome trip i couldn't imagine that hey and that time's right around the corner man so i know you getting geared up for that we're ready yeah at the lake and then that well if somebody was going to come up there you know in, in the next week or two try to catch some fish what would your tip of the day be for people coming up in this next little short window before things start to change again. Yeah, in the next couple of weeks, just to find fish, stick to water between 40 through 80 foot. Mm-hmm. Um, most of your fish are going to be between 20 and 45. Well, you're going to see some still at 55 uh, when you're over the deeper water. So uh, really don't just 
stop to fish if you're on Smith Lake. Make sure you see fish on your depth finder and uh, kind of back out of the shallows for the next couple of weeks. Good deal, man. Great tip. Well, hey, if somebody wants to book a trip with you, I know uh, I know you're going you, you're getting slammed and your calendar's probably filling up. But um, if somebody wants to come out there and hook up with one of these Marshall Stripes, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? They can call me at 205-503-2020 or look us up online at Fishing 24-7 Guide Service. Fishing 24-7 Guide Service. Hey, y'all, look up Michael. This guy is the – he is the man on these big giant strikes up at Smith and uh, catch a fish of a lifetime with him, I'm telling you. So y'all be sure and, and, and reach out. Give him a call. Look him up and uh, get on the books. Because that time of year is coming when you're going to want to go try to do this. All right, buddy. We appreciate you, man. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, good to hear from you. Good to catch up with you. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right. Have a good one. All right. All right, guys. End of another great segment. Well, let's take a couple more minutes and hear from some more of this week's sponsors. The Alabama Marine Resources Division reminds all recreational anglers possessing great trigger fish, greater amberjack, or red snapper that they must report these fish through Snapper Check before they land in Alabama. For more information about Snapper Check, please visit OutdoorsAlabama.com. And brought to you by NorthAlabama.org. North Alabama is home to eight picturesque lakes, Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Weiss, Smith, Needley Henry, Lake Gunnerville, and Bear Creek Lakes. Each lake is well-stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, Fishing is great year-round. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on Plan to download the North Alabama Fishing Guide. And brought to you by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rigs using the traditional scent strips for Papano or fishing the flats or marshes for speckled trout, redfish, or flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Family-owned and operated in St. Augustine, Florida, they pride themselves on making reliable, consistent fishing products for anglers of all ages around the world. Fish bites, baits, and lures are made with pride in the Sunshine State, USA. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at fishbites.com. And brought to you by MB Ranch King Hunting Blinds and Feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, we've got a very cool segment right here that I want to share with you guys. It's a question that some of you may have had, probably most of you have had at some point during your fishing journey and whether it's um, when you're buying your boat or trying to decide what trolling motor is the best size for what boat and what length and whether you're stripe fishing or bass fishing or crappie fishing. So the question that we're going to answer on this next segment is how to pick a trolling motor, which is the best one for what you, for your needs. And uh, we are going to join Butch and Joe 
as they interview Jeffrey Fadala of Auto Lighting of Alabama to talk about how to pick the right trolling mower. So without further ado, let's join these guys. Folks, let's go check in with my old co-host, Butch Theory, over on the Alabama Saltwater Fishing Report. And we're going to talk about what size trolling motor you need for a new boat or an existing boat. By the end of the show today, you're going to know the answer to that question. What's going on, Butch? Oh, not too much, man. Just uh, enjoying this gloomy day in South Alabama. How about yourself? I love these segments we do. These are all questions we all have, you know. I mean, it's very relevant. And this time of year, January, February, March timeframe is a great time to be thinking about upgrading your boat, making upgrades to your existing boat. A lot of guys right now are doing a ton of research on maybe they're getting a new vessel this year. Maybe they're wanting to make some changes to their boat from last year. And this is the time you think about those things because of fishing, it's a little bit slower. Uh, There's still opportunities. We're going to get that fishing report, but you got some more time. Yeah. You got a whole season behind you. Uh, You're probably, uh, you know, either you've done your winterization or you're coming out of it and you're looking, you're thinking about spring, thinking about some warmer weather, thinking about what you're going to do to your vessel for next year. Also, you don't want to be doing that when it's, when it's time to catch. Fish. No doubt. When we're in Now's the heat the of the season and every day's good, you don't want to be messing with this stuff then. So, you know, we were down at ICAST last year. Trolling motor market is not what it Crazy. used to be. Uh, it's nuts. I saw some trolling motors down there that were longer than boats that I've had. Oh yeah. So let's uh, today really want to talk about what size trolling motor you need, you know, not only the length of the troll motor, but also the voltage. I mean, really kind of break it down and help folks if they're considering a trolling motor for a new boat or an existing boat. And who we got today? Yes, sir. We're talking with Jeffrey Fadala. He's with Auto Lighting of Alabama. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. How are we doing today, buddy? Good guys. How are y'all? Good, man. We, uh, we came up with the idea for this show. Like Joe said, don't even really know where to begin, man. I know you're the authority on the subject around here and I've heard nothing but good things about your installation and customer service. So we figured we'd come right to the horse's mouth to get the education from the man himself. I appreciate it. And thank you guys for having me. You know, talking about trolling motors, first thing I think about is voltage, the length of the shaft that I need. So let's start there with the length of shaft. I think if you get that part wrong, then it doesn't matter. If you got the voltage right, you get that part wrong. We're not going to have a functioning trolling motor here. So how do you match the shaft link on a trolling motor to the boat itself? What, What kind of things does somebody need to be thinking about? How do you do it there in the shop? So, well, I've been doing this long enough that you could pretty much tell me just about any boat, and I can tell you what shaft would be proper for what vessel and, you know, what the sea height would be good for it, too. But there's really, there's two things that we base that off of. The first thing is water line measurement. So the first thing you do is the vessel needs to be put in the water, and a measurement needs to be taken from the top of the gunnel to the water line. Whatever that measurement is, you add 24 inches to that measurement, and that will give you one foot of sea travel. So for the first 24 inches, I'm fixing to get mathematical on here on you. <laughs> the first 24 inches underneath the water is good for one foot of sea travel. And then every foot after that is good for two foot of sea travel. So if you have a total of 36 inches under the water, that is good for three foot of sea travel. And then on from there. So there is an equation to it. 24 inches is is pretty much the minimum. You got to have, so if it's three feet from from my bow, from that gunnel to the water line, I'm going to add two more feet onto that. 
I'm going to need a five foot shaft on that trolling motor. And that's going to give me the ability for that trolling motor to work in one foot seas. If so, if I'm planning on going out and fishing in more than that, which I'm not, you know, full, <laughs> full disclosure, <laughs> I, I like it to be less than one foot, please. But Sure. If I'm going to go out in three foot seas, I'm going to want to have 36 inches below the water on top of that 36 inches above the water. And I'm going to need a six foot shaft length at that point. That is correct. All right. So what's my, what are my options in trolling motor shafts? That was one of the things that I saw at ICAST last year. I'm like, good God, these things have gotten long. They're putting them on all kinds of boats. What can we do? Well, shafts come in available lengths. And of course you've got 12 volt, 24 and 36, but they're offered in anything from a 36-inch shaft to soon, Rodan Marine will be offering a 108-inch shaft. Wow. Wow. Now, when you get into the 24 and the 36-volt segments, which are your most popular, 24-volt only goes up to a 72-inch, and 36-volt, depending on the brand, goes from an 87 to a 108-inch motor. So that's your options there. That's my next question. How do we match voltage? You know, how do we make that decision? You mentioned 12, 24, and 36. Take me through your, your decision on that. Okay, so a 12-volt motor is going to be good for a vessel that's roughly between 500 to 1,500 pounds is a good number. 24-volt, uh, you're looking in the 4,500-pound uh, range from, you know, 2,000 to 45. And then anything over that 36-volt is what would be recommended. But um, you also have to take into consideration not only the vessel, tackle, people, mm. bait. Sure, the loaded boat. Fuel. I'm, I'm thinking of, yeah, I mean, fully loaded down to the gills to make sure that you are getting the proper motor. Now, the rule of thumb is anything that's being taken offshore really needs 36 volt. You want optimum amount of power supply. You want optimum amount of runtime to be able to stay out on the water longer. 24 volt is more recommended for more of the inshore bay boat style. Not saying you can't use a 24 volt motor for offshore, but your run time is going to be cut down quite drastically, especially with tide, current, wind conditions, all of that stuff that affect the uh, performance of the motor having to work harder or less harder. So when we think about shaft length, we're thinking mm -hmm. about that waterline measurement and the type of seas we envision ourselves fishing in not necessarily the depth okay. of the water or anything like that we're just thinking about seas when we think about voltage we're thinking right. really about run times not so much power i mean if we if we've got a 36 volt and a 24 volt and we're running the same amount of thrust and the same shaft length that 36 volts just going to give us more operating time before our batteries have to charge that's correct but that also being said voltage and thrust are two different things a 24 volt trolling motor is usually an 80 pound thrust or so uh your 36 volt um trolling motors are between 112 and 120 pounds of thrust so for the most part that's correct so so how do you choose on thrust like i mean for me it's just i always just think like more's better right is that true i mean what that that's correct why would we want to have less thrust is it just a price thing uh price is definitely a a player in that question but mainly at the end of the day the higher the thrust okay the larger the vessel the it can be put on and the longer the runtime you'll get so essentially for one you don't want a trolling motor that's not going to be capable of doing what you want it to do as far as you know holding a vessel in spot for we see an average of i would say six to eight hours of runtime on a 
36 volt motor where a 24 volt system on that same boat is going to be roughly probably in the half range, half of the runtime. So definitely more is always better when it comes to these uh, trolling motors and picking out the right model for your boat. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Within, within your budget, of course. Certainly. But what about the type of fishing? We're talking a lot here and using the example of a spot lock situation, which I think a lot of our guys use, especially You got to have it inshore or offshore, man. You yeah. got to have spot lock. Certainly. I would think that uh, like our inshore guys probably don't use the spot lock as much as yeah, I'd the agree with offshore that. guys. How do the needs differ for, for what we're thinking about in terms of, of the size trolling motor based on the kind of fishing you're doing? I mean, is the spot lock's got to be the number one consideration for, for offshore? Is that what you see most guys coming in for? It definitely is. I would say almost 99% of all trolling motors that are installed on offshore boats, they're strictly being used for spot lock. I mean, you get, you know, where you are, where you want to be over a certain spot, you deploy the trolling motor, you hit anchor mode, and that allows the captain to get away from the helm and be able to assist or fish himself. But I've never, I can honestly say this, I've never installed a motor on an offshore center console where the troll, you know, where it was actually being used for trolling. I mean, maybe to move over or jog over to one side or the other, but it's always specifically to throw it overboard and hold you in one spot. Definitely a, a different um, game for the inshore guys from what I understand. All right, Jeffy. So primarily I use my trolling motor for, you know, working my way down a bank whenever I'm speckled trout fishing or redfish fishing or, or even bass fishing for that matter. Um, you know, we're right. talking about how long that you can have that trolling motor in the water assisting my, assisting my boat, my vessel moving. I want the longest runtime possible on my trolling motor and my battery. That's just what I want to do primarily, run my trolling motor as long as possible. Does thrust come into play there? And as far as motor size, you know, your 12, 24, 36, what would get you your optimal runtime on one of these motors? Okay, so depending on which manufacturer you went with or decided to go with, you would want to go with your highest voltage, which is going to be their largest pound thrust in that motor. Having that, you can control the speed. Okay. You can control the amount of runtime at what speed you're going to use the motor at. And shaft length wise, you can always adjust the shaft. So accordingly to what you're doing. So it's always, in my opinion, it's best to just go with the, the biggest highest thrust you can get because it's there if you need it, whether you need it or not, it's there. When you're using spot lock, less energy or power consumption is being used because the boat is going with the current, with the waves, and the only thing that the trolling motor is having to do is push into the current. So it's actually consuming less power than trolling. Again, like I said, because trolling is physically having to drag the vessel versus hold it in one spot. So it's a misconception I hear all the time that, oh, well, spot lock's gonna, is what's going to burn all my battery up, power up. Well, that's totally not the case. It's actually the total opposite. 36 volt, more power, more runtime. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. to hear you say that because back when we did the uh, the lithium batteries show where we mm -hmm. kind of compared and contrasted lithium and lead acid batteries, one of the things that I've noticed on the water about Spotlock is that if my batteries are not charged, you know, we were running lead acid batteries. If they were not charged okay. completely, that Spotlock feature would not function correctly. When those batteries started to get depleted, there wasn't enough power 
to run that spot lock feature the way it's supposed yeah. to run. So it would just and shut it, off and it would just start wandering. Right. It just start wandering. It just wouldn't hold a position. I could still, you would, and I couldn't figure it out. I was thinking there was something wrong with my trolling motor because if I wanted to go forward, I could go forward. If I wanted to go in reverse, I could go in reverse. It wasn't that the propeller wasn't turning. It's it was a just, testament to your battery. Yeah. And so I didn't know at the time that, that it was because my battery was weak and you know, that's one of the advantages I think I see in the, in the lithium battery setups is that you've got the same amount of power, no matter if that battery is hundred percent charged or 10% charged, whereas lead acid batteries, you can't discharge them. Oh, I guess it's right around 50% or so. So do you see the same thing? I mean, you get a lot of complaints out of folks running trolling motors with lead acid versus lithium. And, you know, what do you think about the two technologies? Well, at the end of the day, Lead acid compared to lithium in the short sense is with lead acid, you've got, let's put this on a 36 volt platform. You've mm -hmm. got three batteries that are going to weigh an average of close to 200 pounds or more. Okay. Mm -hmm. Runtime is not bad. I would say I see an average runtime on just three regular lead acid batteries from six to eight hours, but face, you got a dead body pretty much laying down in the bow or in a hatch somewhere. So you've got this dead weight. That's taking up a lot of space. The lithium situation is it's weight saving, it's space saving. You know, the majority of your lithium batteries are the same size as your standard group 27 battery, which just about everybody has in their boat. So face is definitely not an issue there. And then the weight, the majority of the weights on some of these lithium batteries are between 28 and like 35 pounds. Um, and just like you said, that lithium battery, when it's on, it's a hundred percent at all times. There is no gradual you know, slowly dying where energy is eventually fixing to drop out. It's from, from the minute it's turned on at full power to the time that it's dead, you get 100% power gain out of it where you don't see that with lead acid batteries at all. They slowly drain, stuff starts flickering, acting crazy. You don't get that issue. You know when a lithium battery is dead. So Jeffrey, you've done a good job, man. Of uh, I feel like I could run out right now, take anybody's boat, put it in the water, I could call you and say, here's the shaft that we're going to need on this troll motor. Here's the voltage we're going to need on this troll motor just by knowing the weight of that boat and what we're going to carry in it. But do you see people buying one type of trolling motor and ended up coming back for maybe an upgrade? Like I, I just think about myself, you know, you were talking about how, how you take that measurement. I don't want to fish if it's over three foot seas, but sometimes I find myself out there. Sometimes it, it happens. Like, seems yeah. like every year I end up out there on a day that I really didn't want to be out there. So what do you think? If you, if somebody was on the fence and they said, you know, going between one length trolling motor and maybe stepping up in length, what advice would you give them? What do you see out of people that buy these trolling motors and maybe end up not being happy? Always go with the longer shaft. Always. I would say the most common that issue that I run into, and I'm dealing with this now as we speak, now that we've got a new year here for boats that I did pre-January 1, customers basically said they were fair weather fishermen. They'd never go out in anything over two, two and a half foot of sea, maybe three at the worst. Next thing you know, I'm getting a phone call. I'm not sure if it's because uh, the app that they were using on their phone wasn't registering properly, or they just decided that they were going to make a day out of it, regardless of what it said, or they had a buddy with them that just talked them into going into something they shouldn't. And next thing you know, I'm getting a phone call, uh, motors coming out of the water and we're having to upgrade when to begin with, I always try to recommend going with the, the larger shaft. I'd rather you have too much than not enough 
Plus, most people upgrade if they decide to replace or go to another boat. And why not have that extra shaft length for a larger boat? Very far and few between do you hear people downgrading their boats. So longer shaft is always, it's always better to have too much than not enough. That makes, for sure. that makes me think about trucks, but you and I have this conversation, but like you may only need what the XLT F-150 has and it's trim level, but there's a lot more people that are maybe looking for that Lariat model. So if you ever are going to have to go upgrade your boat or upgrade, maybe you do end up getting a neutral motor in the future. I would think that that, that longer shaft is going to have more marketability on the used market too. Uh, going to be more people Absolutely. seeking that out as well. Yep. Well, man, I think you did a great job. I think I know exactly what I would need if I was going to go out and do this on a new boat right now. If folks want to reach out to you, talk about their specific boat. Uh, we were talking a little bit off air and you said, hey, you just about got all the measurements down. If somebody calls you up and says, this is the kind of boat I've got, they're not even going to necessarily need to go put it in the water and take the measurement. You already got all that stuff. How can they reach out to you okay. and, and you know kind of figure out their setup? But my personal cell phone, 251-379-6934. You can call me anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I answer the phone. And I'm glad to help. You know, my shop is always open to people. I don't run customers off for coming up. If you've got questions or curious to see what a motor might look like on your boat or just want to see, got customers that come in all the time, they bring their boat up, I'll snatch a motor out of the box. And we'll sit it up there and give them ideas of placement, where it's going to go, how it'll ride when it's in the stowed position, where we'll pay, place the batteries. And I'm I'm easy. I even I've had, matter of fact, this past Saturday, I had a customer that uh, drove two hours just for me to do that because that was the only time he could get off. I met him up uh, here Saturday around 10 o'clock and um, he ended up leaving his boat with me and we're going to put a motor on it. So I'm always available. I always answer my phone. Very cool, man. Well, thanks for answering our question. Very educational segment. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. We enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thank you guys. I appreciate you. Butch, these are all questions we all have. It's not a fishing report, but it is very relevant. And I love the fact that, you know, we're going to be able to come back to this in the future and just answer that question. Oh, yeah. Well, what was that measurement again? Yeah. Well, in trolling motors, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, what, they really, really, really gained popularity probably last 10 years? For sure. I mean, I don't even know. It's one of those situations where now that you've experienced how do you fix for that how do you fix <laughs> right. without it especially yeah. especially for holding up on a spot man no doubt if, if you've got the console. ability to use these things to hold up on a spot why would you ever want to not <laughs> yeah i wouldn't I man yeah. i think what i picked up most from today was don't skimp you know we all try and be frugal i'll use frugal prudent right but i mean you've spent how many hundreds of thousands of dollars on your boat you know if you got a seventy-five thousand dollar bay boat and you really need the longer shaft with more thrust. Don't save yourself two or three thousand dollars. Go with the Mag Daddy. Yeah, or whatever it ends up being. I think we've all done it in maybe lots of different walks of life where we're just trying to be, like you said, prudent. We're trying to use our dollars wisely so we get just enough. Like we're we're kind of right on this, the edge this of should, enough. This should work. This should be all I need. And then after a season of use, we're like, you know what? That's not enough. Let me go back and upgrade. And you end up spending more money. Definitely more time. Than you would have if you'd just gotten what you need in the first place. So yeah. that's what Agreed. I like. agree with you on that. I mean, I think I just took away from this, like, go ahead and get a little more capacity. It's just like with a truck's towing capacity. You don't want to be bumping right up on the edge of that towing capacity. You want that yep. truck to be easily, be able to easily handle Whatever, whatever you need, yeah, whatever you want to do extra in the tank in case you decide to 
you know, load it down with a bunch of gear or whatever. Yep. It sounds like Jeffrey's got it going on over there. Can pretty much fix anybody up. Deals in multiple kinds of trolling motors. So hook you up with whatever you need. Yep. All right, buddy. I'm going to go get the rest of these reports. Sounds good, man. Let's knock it out. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoyed it. Me too. All right, guys, and that is going to be a wrap for the show today. Hey, appreciate you guys listening. Man, I loved having Jake on here. Uh, Jake Maddox fishing down on the Coosa, obviously in a tournament right now in Kissimmee, so we're going to keep our fingers crossed for him. And, uh, man, Michael Walker, just just talking to him about those giant stripes, just fire me up. I got to go do that. I still have not done it yet. I got to take him up on it. I got to book a trip myself. And get up there and, and, I mean, and enjoy something that we don't always get to do. We're always bass fishing and crappie fishing, and we forget about these giant stripes because it's just something different, and we're not used to it. And, and uh, But, man, how much fun would that be? So y'all be sure and give Michael a call and book a trip with him. And, uh, hey, we got some bad weather rolling through here right now, so we're going to wrap this thing up for the week. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute and subscribe, rate, and leave us a review wherever you listen. And if you would like us to send you uh, the show every week, we will do that. All you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767, and we will email you the show, send it to you each and every week. Stay safe out there, guys and uh enjoy the this beautiful state of alabama and all its natural resources that we have and we look forward to talking to you again next week this week's alabama freshwater fishing report has been brought to you by boaterslist.com do you own your own company that needs to reach boaters anglers and marine enthusiasts sign up for free today to grow your business on boaterslist.com and by bucks island marina Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services, and now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by The Hunting Exchange. In this day and age, we all know it's a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms. And that's where The Hunting Exchange steps in. Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. And brought to you by MB Ranch King. Save time and money when you buy MB Ranch King's maintenance-free hunting blinds. Call Kevin for info or quotes 205 807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And brought to you by Photonis Defense, PD Pro Ultralight Ultra Compact Night Vision Systems. Simply the best in-class night vision system ever built. Contact us at PhotonisDefense.com to learn more. Photonis Defense, Masters of Darkness. And brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Give me a call at 601-383-2344.